gentlemen of the IoT everywhere around the world. I am Ken Briota, and I am your host here on Real World IoT, the IoT podcast where we dig through the marketing layers. We get down to the real meat of IoT topics, and uh, we tell you what's really going on. Uh, we want to give you sort of the unvarnished and, uh, and bald-faced uh, case on industry issues, and we're going to do that today with my guest, uh, Michelle Williams of the Trevally Group. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today on uh, Real World IoT. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So are we to have you. On this, uh, on this podcast, we've had <laughs> folks talk about security, talk about technology, of course, talk about the business of the IoT, monetization, all sorts mm-hmm. of topics in the operations side. But today, we're going to talk a little bit about the internals and mm-hmm. the, the execution of all of these big plans that we all have for this industry. Um, but before we get into that, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and about uh, Trevally Group and what your day-to-day is like, if there's any folks out there who haven't heard of you by some weird coincidence. Well, you know, it's not totally surprising that they may not have heard of uh, Trevally Group. Trevally Group was actually a spin-out from the previous firm um, that I was with, with a partner, uh, and we spun out Trevally Group here in April of 2018. So Trevally may be unfamiliar, um, but not I have long, been... Sure. In, that's right. We're hoping not. Not after this podcast, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> But uh, I was with Ellington Growth Partners previous to that, um, and that was, uh, and then previous to that, I was with another firm called the River Group. And so I have been recruiting in mobile and wireless technology is kind of the genesis of it um, back in 2007. So uh, going on 11 years now, and, and about six or seven years ago, uh, I realized that in mobile and wireless technology, as much as it was considered a quote-unquote niche, it was huge, it, and, and you know, I loved to go really deep with each of my clients and, and indulge the geeky gearhead side of me and <laughs> learn about the technology and the strategies and the bits and the bytes and all of that, and it just became increasingly difficult for me to be able to do that and stay so broad with in mobile and wireless. So about six or seven years ago, um, I niched down a lot more in what started as uh, telemetry and telematics, um, which of course then evolved to M2M and, and now sits on the you know broad, big uh, IoT uh, banner now too. So it's funny, as much as I thought I was niching down here, I look up six, seven years later when this ginormous IoT uh, sector. So but I've been in it here for it's been six or seven years. Yeah, I mean that's uh, what, entropy at work, right? Um, that's right. <laughs> so, um, when we were uh, doing the uh, doing our pre-recording conversation, sorry, mm-hmm. folks out there, a little behind the curtain, uh, we don't just do this entirely spontaneously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were we were talking a little bit about the problem slash opportunity of mm-hmm. working in the IoT especially as folks sort of migrate like you did from a lot of times either the IT world or the Mm -hmm. communications world into Mm -hmm. sort of the melding of the two with the IoT. What kind of, what's the landscape of working in the IoT right now? Where, what are people looking at as they try to move into the IoT or move around within IoT uh, providers? 
Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, it's been interesting in my experience is, you know, most of my clients really rest in um, kind of that small mid-sized sector. So generally companies are doing less than 400 million annual revenue a year. And so that's kind of where my focus has been. And for many years, you know, when when there were still um, a lot of professionals that were interested in making moves and, and looking at job boards, is that there was a pool of professionals that were available to them, um, but they were very focused on wanting people to, that were coming in with direct IoT experience, like looking for somebody that was coming maybe from one of their competitors or had worked on, built, designed, launched, uh, roadmapped, something that was almost exactly to what they were going to do now. Um, but the problem is, is IoT has grown and also the economy has grown, which has put us at a near zero unemployment rate. And so, Companies are having to look beyond just that kind of bullseye, somewhat low-hanging fruit of a professional and really start to consider some other qualities and characteristics that are related and very relative to the success of that role, but not just we want somebody that's you know, spot on and has done this exact thing with one of, you know, one of the uh, organizations that's in that same space. So you know, good for professionals that are looking to get into IT. IoT because I think there's a lot more room for them to bring very relative and related experiences and technologies that play a major role in the IoT sector. So there's, I think there's a lot more uh, willingness among organizations that are hiring right now, in part because of the economy, um, to start to train people as long as they have some of the characteristics of a professional that they may be looking for um, and, and be able to bring them up to the, to the specifics of their organization. Sure. Um, the sort of national unemployment rate is dropping still, I mm-hmm. think. Um, is that also true in the IoT sector, that, uh, that folks are sort of hiring the people they need and not necessarily looking as heavily as they have in the past, or is that sort of still pretty hot and heavy? Yeah, I mean, the, the IoT sector, it continues to grow and people, you know, and, and organizations need to start filling in those seats or even people are transitioning. Um, so IoT sector is, is virtually zero unemployment as it is across the entire economy. With When you look at, you know, the normal um, unemployment rates that come out from labor and statistics include kind of everybody, right. you know, those that have college degrees, those that don't, those that are professional management level, um, and I think the last one for July was 3.9%, and when you get into skilled, technical, professional, educated, um, I think it went down to 2.4 or 2.5, so you know, and as you start looking and peeling back the layers and look at kind of the natural laws of unemployment that, that they consider to be 5%. So we're at two and a half. We're half of that. So it is an incredibly tight labor market right now. But what's so interesting is that, that what falls into that then too is that that means that there's not people that are just waiting without a job you know, looking and spending all of their days for their next job. And so your strategy in hiring these people as a company has to switch. What do they, what, um, what should you be thinking about as a a hiring agent? You know, if, if you're, uh, looking say for engineers, you know, to fill in Mm -hmm. your, your technical 
preference or or and it seems like a lot of what I've seen out there in the the searches they're looking for business development people they're looking for people to help them mm-hmm. grow their business you know now that they have a product you know because it seems That's like right. a lot of these especially the smaller medium sized and startup companies start with a product they start with something mm-hmm. that they that they want to get out there and they don't necessarily know how to bring it to market so they're looking for those people how should those companies look for those people you know what are what are some of the things those people want Sure, and and that's a great question because I think this is, um, there's so much insight into this and how your structure, what's your strategy behind that. So if you're really looking and you need people that are going to drive revenue, increase your market share, increase your awareness, particularly on the sales and business development side, but this really pertains to all, uh, all disciplines, all functions within an organization, when you're in a tight uh, candidate or talent marketplace is that you have to switch your strategy from kind of, you know, waiting for them to come to you and, you know, putting things out in want ads and job boards and that sort of thing. And then just sifting through resumes and finding the best fit because what we're finding is happening when you run that strategy that you end up hiring the best that came to you. And there are so many professionals, probably 80% of the people that are gainfully employed are considering a new opportunity if it's a better opportunity, but you have to switch your strategy. They're not going to come to you. Most of them aren't even aware of any of the job ads or postings that are out there because they've got their heads down and doing a good job and generally happy where they are. Um, So you have to change your approach and you really have to kind of court them. There has to be a level of mutual courtship in the process. And you also have to run a pretty streamlined process. They're not going to um, kind of tolerate indecisions because they might also have other opportunities and they might be pursued by other companies that are really running a very streamlined, efficient, decisive process. And so you have to offer a compelling opportunity, not a job, which I think is, is first a a really compelling um, employment brand. So what's your value proposition in that regard to people that you're bringing into the company? And then layer that with your strategy. How are you going to go and reach this pool of talent that's out there? They're interested. They're just not going to come to you. Right, right. So it's switched. And so you have to change your strategy. Unfortunately, so many companies – even in the small mid-sized space where they're much more nimble and decisive um, than a lot of the big uh, billion-dollar organizations and conglomerates is that they still kind of pick a strategy of how they're going to hire people and they just stick with that strategy, regardless of what the economy is and what the talent marketplace is. Right. Well, I mean, it's good to hear that they're picking a strategy at all because, you know, one of the, <laughs> one of the, one of the complaints <laughs> from the job seeker side that I've heard mm-hmm. is that they don't seem to know what they're looking for. Or they they don't seem to know uh, uh, what skills are going to be required for what job and what the the constraints need Objective to be. So, is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so you know, folks who have been professionals in working on this stuff forever know what they're supposed <laughs> to be doing. And when they go right. into a, a situation where a company's like, I just need somebody, you seem to do a good job, can you come in and do it? <laughs> They're yeah. like, well, what exactly do you need me to do is That's a it. reasonable question that, it's, that I've heard people complain a lot of employers can't answer. 
How do you? Without a doubt. I mean, and that's the thing, like even just picking a strategy, the strategy that, that often is run, not saying by any means that it's a good strategy. You know, we often call it the spiral of doom, you know, is that <laughs> if they put a, something out there and they put it out on the job board and somebody that's really good and they actually apply, like somebody that's a good, um, gainfully employed, happy professional with, you know, accomplishments to, to support, um, you know, and, and substantiate their background. Let's say they do actually apply. And unfortunately, um, it could sit there for a very long time. And then the person that may get to them is somebody that really doesn't understand the, it could be internal HR, it could be a recruiter in-house that may be new and just hasn't been informed truly on what are the objectives of the role. Why would somebody want to come here? Right. Why would somebody want to join our company? I mean, it has, to, and it has to do with that economy switch is that you have to give them something compelling and yeah. not just check the box and say, okay, do you have LWPA in your resume? Do you have CDMA in your resume? Do you have Zigbee in your resume? It's not a matter of checking the boxes anymore, but the, but the professionals really need to hear from the organizations is kind of why should I come and work with you? Right. And so it, it's, it's switched. Um. What are some of the sort of new job functions, job titles that, that need to be out there for the IoT that, that the employees, the prospective you know, employees will be looking to add to their resume and looking to do as new yeah. challenges and that the companies need to create and figure out mm-hmm. what's involved with them? What are, what are some of those new ones? I mean, beyond putting IoT professional on your resume, that's, you know, it's not super helpful to just have something that broad. It's not, no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great question. And one of, one of the things that I recommend all of the time, you know, I help people uh, a fair amount just kind of fine-tuning their resumes, even if they're, if they're starting to keep their eyes open, is not to lead with your anacronyms or even your skills because they seem so generic, you know, but at the very top of your resume, you really want to highlight what your accomplishments have been. And what I, what I say to even drill down on that even a little bit further is, how have you helped a company save money, make money, improve efficiencies, or anything along those lines? And you really want to pull those out and extract those from all of your different roles across your, um, across your resume and put that in a way that that experience and those accomplishments that really are targeting the IoT Space and what that client is looking for, or what industry sector that that client is in. So really, it's kind of hand-holding to a great degree because if you're talking with recruiters in a company and they may not even understand what IoT spells out to be, <laughs> much less like what the objective of the role is in that, is there has to be some sort of kind of hand-holding to a degree in that so that you're really pointing it out and saying, okay, I haven't IOT is in my resume, but here's, here's truly what some of the things that I've worked on and accomplished and projects or, or clients I'm selling to um, and, and increased market share by doing this, and that's how it's related to them as, an, as a hiring company. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious about sort of the, as we said before, a lot of the folks coming into the IOT are doing mm-hmm. so from, you know, the either – 
regular internet businesses. You know, they're coming over from Google and and Apple and you know all that stuff, and they're also coming right. over from the telecoms. You know, and mm-hmm. and even though the telecoms seem to be running from the IoT in some ways, uh, it's absolutely which is a whole another question. But that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we could totally chase that rabbit too. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. Um, but the. The skills are, it seems super obvious how the skills transfer from these other mm-hmm. industries, but what are some of the new things they're going to need to know how to do as they move in? Especially, I think the engineers can take care of themselves. They know what they can mm-hmm. do, and they know what they need to do, and they're really good at learning the things that they need to learn. But on the biz mm-hmm. dev side, on the, the strategy side, on the executive side, they don't necessarily know, I would think, what the differences are in terms of how they need to have conversations differently in the IoT versus in, say, the telecom space or the the mm-hmm. traditional internet space. How is the internet mm-hmm. a traditional space now? But anyway, um, <laughs> God, I'm old. Um, the <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> what, are, what are some of those discussions? Uh, what are some of those things that those folks should be thinking about? What are some of the the new factors? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I think that so much of it, as I say anymore, you know, is that I, I thought I was niching into IoT and it was going to be this really finite, finite thing. But now it is basically, you know, telecommunications or communications as a whole just rebranded, you know, in, as IoT with all of these very niche verticals as to what the solutions and the applications are going to be. But the technologies, for the most part, are all there and just converged in under IoT. And so I think, you know, in working with... Um, Varying in different professionals, and is what you were saying, you know, is particularly in um, biz dev and sales oriented roles, is the conversations that are occurring are really around the solution, you know, is that so many people that are in the marketplace that are either on the enterprise side and on the consumer side, I think consumers are a little bit, have been a little bit faster to adopt some of the IoT technologies, so the monetization Ooh. has been a little bit faster. That's an argument you and I can have, but... Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I completely disagree, you know, but we, that's okay. We do you really? I do. Yeah, and I'd love to hear that. Just from all the people that I've talked to is that, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity in the enterprise space, but a lot of the people that they're selling to, they want to adopt IoT, but they don't necessarily understand how it's going to drive substantial, meaningful value to them, is that they, they don't have backgrounds in IoT inside oh. the organizations that are doing the purchasing. And so the conversations as an IoT professional are a bit different on that front because you're not selling to somebody that's an IoT. They're really excited about it. They're really interested in it. Yeah. Um, but in order to monetize that, you have to really set – you really have to lay the pathway as, as to why – it's exactly it, yeah. you know, as to what it can do and why that's going to be meaningful to you, you know, is right. that for any of those things. And I and I, I love this question. <laughs> no, no, that, <laughs> the that friend of mine's going to kill me. You do. I do. What I what I what I maybe I just misunderstood you was uh, that the consumer side, consumer facing side of the IoT, uh, is is hot right now. I think there's a lot of opportunity there, but I also think it's right. super flat and has been for a while because consumers are both scared by the mass media discussion of security and uh, lazy and or are afraid to integrate this new technology themselves. And right. so the, I think there's a lot of uh, consumer-facing piece of this that's uh, having a hard time 
within the IoT. The folks developing things for consumers that yeah. they're selling to resellers are doing great. Yeah. It's the resellers, yeah. I think, who are struggling in getting those things to market with consumers in a, in a, in a good way. Uh, yeah, which is a whole totally other discussion. Agree. I just misunderstood right. your point. I think on the enterprise side, a lot. I was of that ready for a good argument, Ken. Come on. I know it's, uh, it happens to me all the time. I'm ready for an argument, and then I realize I've just misunderstood the premise. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's a life lesson in there. <laughs> right. I don't learn it ever, as any of my listeners me. would tell you. But uh, That's right. uh, I understand that it's supposed to be a lesson. I'm just so eager for the argument that I that I miss the opportunity to <laughs> no. not have one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that the conversations are are a lot different, you know. Now, just as far as who you're selling to and what their understanding of IoT is, is that there's this, you know, there's all of this kind of crowd cheering and how many billion connected devices by 2020. You know, we all see those statistics right. come out ten times a week, um, but not really understanding. <laughs> yeah, like how is that meaningful to me and my business, my yeah. organization? Yeah. You know, and that's what really leads to the monitor. So is that is that a skill that some of the folks, the, the biz dev folks and the executive strategy folks that are looking to work in the IoT or move laterally mm-hmm. or come in uh, are used to having where they have to have this heavy education element as they approach uh, new business opportunities? Because it seems like if you walk into an office and you say, hi, I'm with Google. I'm here to talk to you about improving your search. Let's talk about that. You don't have to spend a right. lot of time explaining who Google is and what they do. But if That's I right. walk in and I'm, you know, hi, I'm XYZ IoT company, and I want to talk mm-hmm. about IoT with you, I think the first five conversations are just, what's IoT? What does That's it do? Right. How does it implement? And, and is that, is that a, a sort of a new skill for these folks that they're going to need to work on? I think it, if they do not possess it already, absolutely, because it's so much on um, – it's, it's in that space, you know, for anybody that's in sales and has been on the solution side of the sales and transition away from the transactional model, um, and that's what it is. And I think that the first few conversations, as you were saying, you know, really have to be focused on the education of what IoT is and what its capabilities can be, and furthermore, bring it down to, and why does this matter Right. to you. Um, one of the favorite questions of a, of a good friend of mine, he's going to kill me for revealing this, but <laughs> he often goes into big companies, table of executives, you know, and they've brought them in. They're really interested in adopting IoT and maybe they're in industrial automation. Um, and his first question to all of them is, if your machines could talk, what would they say? Yeah. And I love that just because of the clarity that it starts, the clarity in the conversations that that will start, not just what would you have IoT do or, you know, what, tell me what your thoughts are about IoT, but really getting to what would they say, what would they say and then building solutions around that. Sure. And, and that sort of uh, client-side point of view is, I mean, right. it's critical to any sales, obviously. Sure. Um, but I think in the IoT where there is such a learning curve for so many, you know, despite the fact that this industry has functionally been around for 20, 30 years, depending on who you talk to. Um, That's right. Oh, haha, you're new, and so is some of this audience to my favorite terrible joke, so now I'm going to tell it. Uh, Let it rip. <laughs> when, um, uh, when in the early 20th century, when they were first telling Sigmund Freud about the IoT, uh, they were explaining it all and, and what, what the IoT is. And he, he took it all in and he sat back and he said, well, this is very interesting, but you have forgotten the id. 
Which is a, a terrible joke. Horrible joke. Uh, I, I know because I made it up myself. Um, but the, the key element here is that there's no, there's, this is an old industry with, mm-hmm. which has been its, in its infancy forever. Uh, right. that, that has got so much room for growth, leaving aside the mostly fictional billions and billions of devices that are going to happen That's right. Um, right. You know, over time. We are growing towards ubiquity, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think that's the ideal case for the IoT, um, is, right. that it, is that it makes itself invisible. But the, there's going to be such a long-term educational component in any mm-hmm. part of this growth, I think, that, that it's, that's critical skill, not just on the sales uh, and biz dev side, but also in the mm-hmm. engineers. They're going to have to be educating people as they explain their ideas and innovations as to right. why this matters and why it's different. Uh, they're, I mean, not just for patent purposes, but also for educating the sales people and educating the marketing people. Um, they're going to have to get good at that piece of it. That's right. Um, which many of one of the are. trends that we've noticed <laughs> that well, exactly. And I'll tell you, one of the trends that we've noticed to that point is some of our clients have reorganized their sales teams to have very vertical specific um, responsibilities, so that the industrial automation guys are only talking to industrial automation. So they're in there and yeah. talking their language. They're understanding what are their questions. They're using the words that they use repeatedly. They understand their pain points so that they can really become market masters or vertical masters yeah. in that space um, because there is so much time, I think, that has to be vested in the education sure. end of it because there's I, a lot of confusion. And there's all that media, that the hype that's around it, you know, is that there's, <laughs> there's gold, go west, young man, you know, is that, <laughs> yeah. is that I say that all the time. Like, that's what IoT still has, is, is, you know, kind of, here's, it's kind of like the Wild West. Like, here's your horse and here's your gun and now go, go find the gold. Yeah. And so... You know, and metaphor. so there's a lot of that. Isn't that funny? Go West, young man. It's a great so metaphor. I feel like there's, isn't it good? Well, because, um, because it makes me think of, you know, who actually got rich in the gold rush? The people who went out and didn't look for gold, but opened general stores. And That's uh, right. They sold the shovels and the picks. Yeah. Those are the people who actually got rich during the gold rush. That's right. And, That's right. and to stretch this metaphor as far as it'll go, uh, in the IoT, those are the systems integrators, the, the, mm-hmm. the people who are taking IoT and making it applicable across industries and, and sort of doing the execution on it and creating these systems. So yeah, I think you're, you're, uh, you need the actual miners, but, uh-huh. but the, it's also critically important, I think, for some of these folks to be educated and get good at uh, talking about how all this gold comes into the economy. You're exactly, yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I think to your point again, you know, is just the integrators is that also kind of in the, um, you know, the solution design houses that are coming in where somebody can say, look, this is what we need to to do. And we don't even really necessarily want to concern ourselves with all of the vendors that need to come together to make this happen, but just put that together. 
<laughs> make that happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that just it completely circumvents where they don't necessarily need to be educated on what IoT is and how the IoT is going to really enhance their business and increase revenue and improve efficiencies or all of that. But they just, you know, they have a sense as to what the solution is that they want and the, and the design houses can make that happen. So right. to your point, for um, sure. Uh, but as we get near the, the end of our time here, there are two things that I, I wanted to, to touch on with you. The first sure. is you talked about how a lot of the the folks are getting more and more vertically specialized. And, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you feel like that's, uh, on a long enough time scale, short-sighted. Because at some point, it could become necessary to be more of a generalist. And if you've spent all of your time becoming an expert in... Uh, you know, manufacturing monitoring stuff, and the manufacturing industry goes entirely robotic, uh, so that it's all endemic and doesn't need to be aftermarket. You're going to have a problem. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing I want to talk about is sort of what is the new, what are some of the new job titles that are going to be happening that folks should be looking for, that that companies should be creating, and that job seekers in the IoT should be uh, looking to sort of lead toward as we go forward. I mean, uh, the last 10 years has been the story of the rise of the data scientists in the IoT. Right. And, uh, and, you know, everybody still says, if you want your kid to be a a millionaire when they grow up, tell them to become a data scientist. Um, But uh, uh, I'm curious about what some of the, the, the developing ones are, but let's start with the first thing. Uh, am I wrong? I'm used to it Uh, about, about that being sort of (laughs) short-sighted to, to hyper-specialize. Yeah, you know, I don't, I think there's always the debate in just about every industry, you know, like, do you really niche in? And if you niche in, then how finite do you go? And, um, and then what if you find yourself ultimately on this island or you worked yourself out of a, out of a job or, or revenue and, and opportunities is that I do think, and, th- and this is even speaking to my own personal background is that, you know, I think there's a tremendous value when you start, um, there's a guy named Bob Marshall that talks about this and he refers to it as the inverted cone where if you start and have experience broad and then you are able to niche down more finite as you go and so then you can really, you have this awareness that's broader to the industry and to different verticals, but then you're able to niche down and really get into um, some of the real gritty side of that vertical specific. And then if it ever the economy changes or the industry changes or automation comes in um, and your solutions aren't needed anymore, that you can always come back up out of that cone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that, that totally yeah. makes sense. And so I think that's, yeah, so I think, you know, if you, and, and I think just that's how it tends to happen organically. And so, you you know, rarely does somebody come in and they become the um, industrial automation or the telemetry expert or, you know, yeah. any of those things. They usually come down that cone and that's how they end up in that niche space. Um but they also oftentimes, you know, if you've been in that niche space for too long, you can get, yeah. you can get pigeonholed. I mean, even going right. back to the days of mobile and wireless, I mean, we've got folks that they got branded, you know, as the AT&T expert, um, right. you know, and, and that's all they know. And that's, that's really their, their paid guns oftentimes, you yeah. know, they're hired guns. They know AT&T and they go in there and they're paying for, um, paying for that expertise. So right. and then I don't know, you know, I always. Project, that person's back out looking for the next project. 
That's right. Now, they, it would be problematic if AT&T imploded one day and they, that would be, you know, and they don't know anybody at Verizon or T-Mobile or Sprint or anybody else. And then yeah. it would be really problematic. But um, I tend to believe that, um, you know, that when you niche down and you can really be an expert in something in that area, that'll serve you well and you'll be able to serve your clients well. Yeah. However, having that broad um, background to be able to build upon and work your way back out should you need to is, is critical. Sure. And, and I think that these things are all pendulums. You know, it, 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 if we look at, say, doctors, for instance, right. you know, the, right. the, the best thing to be as a doctor, other than surgeons, which is always the, if you're, if you're thinking financially, um, for a doctor in the 50s and 60s was a GP, general practitioner. You, you were somebody's family doctor, and it had been that way for a long time. And then the pendulum started to swing until mm-hmm. the, the uh, licensure agencies didn't even recognize that as a specialization anymore. You were either, you know, internal medicine or, or some right. other specific thing, you know, rather than there being any GPs. And now, from what I've been reading, it's starting to go the other way again. And there are more general practitioners, more just sort of uh, family practice type of uh, uh, doctors, because it became, it reached a point where everyone was a specialist. And so if I just needed a diagnosis on something, there was nobody who could say, well, I can look at all of these factors in a broad way and then send you to the specialist. So I think, that, right. I think that in the IoT, it's possible that we're looking mm-hmm. at the first part of that swing, where everybody was a generalist, and they were talking about how you know, connectivity connects to devices, connect, creates data, connects to analytics, and, and almost everybody was trying to do all of that. And now we're right. shifting back toward, shifting toward a specialization where I'm a company that does data analytics, and that's it, or I'm a company that does sensors, and that's it, and so on and so forth. And I think that's good for the industry right now because it's, mm-hmm. it, the industry is so broad that it's almost impossible for one company to be horizontal across the entire mm-hmm. thing. But I would expect, and, and I think, unfortunately, that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that it's possible yeah. that the employers are starting to not respect a generalist as much as a result of this trend. And so if you say you're a generalist, they're going to say, well, then you don't know enough about any one thing and move along with our process. Um, right. Uh, but I think that it's possible that we're going to reach a peak of that and start coming back the other way, where the systems integrators, professionals, and the 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 people who know how to construct sort of IoT solution systems with a bunch of components all at the same time are going to become mm-hmm. the desired thing again at some point. Yeah. Does that make sense sort of as a it, really broad thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does. And that's, you know, it's it's interesting. And I love just, you know, kind of uh, exploring this with you because I think it's it, it, it the trends that I've seen even in the hiring and in the directions and the strategies that some of the companies have gone is that even though the companies and the organizations, um, you know, had been you know, kind of generalists, you know, they went across the whole ecosystem, but they did it through partners. And so they would offer a solution often, you know, by partnering with, you know, the module manufacturer and partnering with the one that was going to provide the platform for analytics or whatever it was, but they were, right. were starting to offer solutions through partners. Um, but the organizations and several of them have, have done this and have stepped out in this direction is starting to acquire companies and bring the technologies in-house that they are the solution 
provider, not the piece of the solution or the part of the ecosystem, but they're stepping out to own the ecosystem and provide the solutions all within their umbrella as a company. And I think taking that and to drive revenue into very specific vertical markets with vertical specialists. So the company can stay almost as a generalist, but you're really providing the solution, but your sales team and your business dev teams um, and having them that are very um, market or vertical specific so they can talk the talk and drive revenue in, in that yeah. direction. Does that it, make sense? Because I'm yeah. seeing a lot more of that. It's always about a mix, I think. You know, yeah. You've got to have uh, somebody who does something in each one of these categories uh, to, right. you know, within the scope of whatever size your business is, obviously. But, sure. um, but I think it's important to, to be considering the, the broader picture here. Uh-huh. Uh, which segues beautifully into the the, the, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about, which is sure. what are some of the, the future job titles that folks should be looking for? You know, we've seen IoT technologist. We've seen, uh, you know, CIoT. We've seen um, uh, uh, various sort of anachronistic, or sorry, anagramistic uh, job titles happening. Um, what are some of the ones that, that you think are going to be uh, – representative of some of these specializations um, moving forward? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what's interesting is that even in 11 years is that in, in having been in mobile and wireless and then much more specific into IoT is that there's always some tweaking of the job titles and ne- new technologies that come into play that they really need people um, with an expertise in, like data scientists and things like that. But for the most part, it's been the same. You know, I mean, there's there's building it and engineering and road mapping and, and all that and the marketing side and then the sales side, kind of the main core functions of the business. So we see always a lot of that. What I expect to see a lot more of, and I've already had some indicators of that on my side, is um, the, the big enterprises that are building some of their own IoT in-house teams to advance the technologies into their equipment of like washers and dryers and water heaters and um, you know all kinds of, and even stuff that's going into automation, um, heating and air conditioning and that sort of thing, is that those companies really have little to no experience in IoT. So having people that can come in almost as the IoT strategists that can take their existing product portfolio and what they are OEMing and and figure out how do they in-house, how do they um, make that work with all of the different vendors and partners to drive additional solutions onto their own products. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that here as, as we move forward. Yeah. Um, as a person who is at heart a lazy person, I like to end these by making you do all the work. Uh, <laughs> what haven't we talked about yet that you think is sort of important on either side of the, the hire or hiree slash in the sort of uh, growing IoT marketplace? Uh, is, there, is there some issue that we haven't touched on yet that you think is important to get out there? Yeah, I mean, I just really want to emphasize that, you know, the the focus on the people of your business. I mean, end of the day, we've got great technologies. There's t- tremendous innovations, solutions, capabilities. It is the West, you know, and, and the possibilities seem almost endless. But it all roots back to the people. And, you know, the people of business and really investing in your people and as far as attracting them, 
engaging them, retaining them, that's going to be critical, um, and taking the time to really make the move and invest in them in multiple ways, even from the very onset of how do you get great people on board? Because I feel like right now we are in, um, Steve Jobs called it the bozo explosion, you know, where you just start hiring fast and furiously and you're not really sensitive as to who exactly is coming onto your team. Um, and you're go down and you start hiring C and D players and they start hiring E and F players and you look up five, ten years down the road and you start to, and the company implodes based on the people and based on your hiring decisions and your commitment to excellence as far as the people that come in and, and finding them, but then also working really hard to engage and retain them. Yeah. Um, this has been a really fun, really great discussion, Michelle. Thank you. This has been good. Uh, where can folks find out more about you and about the Trivoli Group? Mm-hmm. So it is the um, – we just um, pulled down our website. We're overhauling it right now. We are uh, getting ready to launch that actually here in the next couple of weeks. But that is um, TrivaliGroup.com, and that's T-R-E-V-A-L-L-Y, group.com. Um, and then Twitter, it's Mobile Growth. So at Mobile Growth is my Twitter handle. And then um, LinkedIn is um, uh, Michelle Williams with one L. That's my spam filter. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And uh, I've added you on LinkedIn now, so uh, I'll look forward to that confirmation. Uh, (laughs) So we can chase rabbits after the call, too. (laughs) That's right. Um, uh, Thank you so much for for having this discussion with me. I think it's been uh, a really valuable and and useful one for for the folks out there. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Make sure that uh, you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Real World IoT powered by 151 Advisors. Uh, Also, if you get a moment, leave us a rating or review on uh, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are given away for free. Uh, We hope to uh, continue doing this and having these uh, these valuable discussions for the indefinite future. And uh, the more that you folks uh, share us and uh, recommend us and rate us and review us and subscribe, uh, the longer we can keep doing that and the wider an audience uh, we can get to. So we appreciate all your help in that regard. Uh, Once again, uh, Michelle Williams, thank you so much for being my guest. I, folks, have been Ken Briota, your host, here on Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Make sure you go online to check out more content on how you can monetize the connected world at 151advisors.com. That's 151advisors.com for all the information and content like this podcast that will help you power your business and monetize your business into the next phase of the IoT. Thank you again for listening to Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, signing off. See you next time.